dive into a world of untold narratives with the podcast that explores the unseen quadrant of the Jahari window of our lives. Here, we uncover the hidden stories and unspoken truths of extraordinary individuals, revealing what others don't know about us, but what we know about ourselves. This is The Bottom Left Pain. Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode of The Bottom Left Pain, where we dive into the lives of extraordinary individuals, revealing the lesser-known sides of their stories. Today, we're thrilled to welcome Simon Gerard, a man whose life is a blend of scientific intellect and an extreme physical endurance. In this episode, we'll explore how Simon balances his demanding scientific career with the physical and mental challenges of running 100-mile races almost every month. Let's get started on this journey of discovery with Simon Gerard. All right, well, welcome, Simon. Honestly, it's a pleasure to have you. I've been so excited to have this interview. Um, yeah, honestly, can we just go ahead and jump into it and, you know, tell me a little bit about who you are, you know, what you do, and, yeah, just kind of where you come from? Sure, absolutely. And I think we're going to talk a lot about running, but sometimes I like to say a few things about my non-running life because it does exist a little bit on the side. Um, so I'm Simon. I'm a French-Canadian, which explained the, the little je ne sais quoi in my English. Um I'm a scientist by training, work work in life science, but also an avid trail runner. Uh, my happy place is in the mountain. Uh, that's how I met my wife. Uh, well, that's how we found our happy place together. And now I'm a YouTuber doing ultra marathon running, 100 mile race pretty much every month, uh, having fun doing it and trying to share it with others so that people can get into the sport um, and trying to break some myth about the sport also in general. Mm -hmm. Okay, nice. So, you know, let's kind of just jump into it and say, you know, what inspired you to embark on the journey of ultra marathon running, you know, and can you share the moment when you decided to take on like your first ultra race? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, I think I'm more of a hiker and someone that loves the outdoor than um, an ultra runner. I think what makes the sport beautiful is that there's a lot of different backgrounds. Some people will do that to push themselves, to, to see if they, they're capable of doing it. And there's definitely a midlife crisis kind of vibe for certain people. For me, that was not it. I've always been an avid hiker and just slowly getting into the process of, okay, I'm doing 15 miles. Okay, I could do 15 miles in a day. And then you do 20 and you're still hiking. And then 25, oh, maybe I should run when it's downhill too. And that just turn into doing maybe 35 miles a day, which technically would be an ultra marathon. Uh, it's more than 50K. And not even knowing that ultra marathon were a thing. And then eventually I kind of found out about that. And it was just a great way to to be able to see a lot of things. But what, and that's how it started. But the, the way I was hooked was more the people and the community. It's a very, very supportive community. Uh, people are helping each other. It's It doesn't really feel like you're competing against each other, but more we're all working on ourselves. We're setting ourselves ambitious goal. And the, the guy or the girl next to you running is someone that you want to help achieve their goal because they're going to help you. And that's really what hooked me. So the mm -hmm. I would say like the, how do we say that? Like the gateway drug or whatever it was, the beautiful mountain. And then like, the addictive part was was the community and the people. Okay, yeah. So actually, I kind of want to dive into it a little bit, right? So the com the community, it sounds like it's known for its camaraderie. So how has being a part of the community impact your journey? And how can and can you also share a memorable experience of support or encouragement uh, from your fellow runners? Yeah, I think that there's 
there's a almost contradiction in ultra running uh and i've had that discussion with many people where you want to be by yourself on trails you you want to experience that for yourself this is your own personal journey this is your own personal growth um and as such it is an individual sport but at the same time it's really not and it's hard to express it in words until you actually live it but i think that if you go there and you only do things by yourself you're having half of the experience which is a significant part but that's something that you could do by yourself that's mm-hmm. something that i could go this weekend and and go on trail and run you know 30 mile 35 mile no problem um but on race day it's a little different you you could do the same thing by yourself than you do on a race but you wouldn't have the people so i think it's an integral part of it um and the experience can be what you want it to be. You don't have to be social. You don't have to be silly, but you can be. And nobody will ever judge you one way or the other. And I think that's something that is very freeing. The way I would behave at work and the way I would behave on trail is very different. I think people at work would be a little surprised of how I am on trail, how silly I can be, and vice versa. Maybe people on trail would say, wow, like... This guy is actually working seriously when he's working. He's getting things done. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a contradiction. But yes, I think that's an integral part of, of the experience. It's the community. And um, how you start by trying to work on yourself and be all you can be. And at one point, I think there's a switch in your head that you realize that part of growing is helping others grow. And mm-hmm. I think that that is something that we're all helping each other. And sure, you know, I make videos about how to to run, but it's a two-way street. People have helped me and I help people. Um, I think one of my first race experience that, wow, I was so happy to not be by myself. Uh, It was in the middle of the night. It was pretty cold. It was a trail that was difficult to follow in the desert. So with with just the the skylight, it it would be hard to know what's a trail and what's just walking in a random direction towards a cliff. Uh And my main battery, my main uh, headlamp died. So I switched the batteries. Oh no, the 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 lamp was actually dead, not the batteries. Okay, oh, it's yeah. okay. I have a backup battery, and then it stopped working. And then I was I was in the middle of nowhere. And then someone just came, and they could have just run by and do their things, but they said, you know what? Like, let's walk together. Let's walk together to the next aid station. And obviously, they must have lost thirty minutes to an hour doing that. Mm-hmm. But what's you know. What's the option is to, to leave that guy in the middle of the desert by himself in a cold night right. or walk a little bit. And then afterwards, he actually had he had an extra headlamp in his uh, uh, drop bag. So at aid station, we have some equipment and he just gave it to me. And I've never seen him again. I was never able to repay the favor directly to him. But I have, I have helped other people. And I think that's that's something that is important. He gave part of his race to me and he saved my race, uh, which I which I think is very beautiful, uh, the kindness of stranger. Especially, I don't want to be too philosophical, but I think there's a lot of bad things happening in the world in general, and sometimes it's easy to become very negative about how selfish or cruel some people can be. And seeing that, seeing that kindness, um, gives you a little bit of faith in humanity and helps you right. be more positive. You know, like. I, I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. And these little things matter. Uh, obviously, like a headlamp is, a, I think, is a big deal. 
But usually it's much smaller than that. It's just the the race experience that you experience the the experience that you will have in the race and that others will have depend on each other. If everyone is a dick around you, then you'll have a terrible experience. Right. So maybe don't be a dick yourself to other people around you and everyone will just have a better day. And if we could just agree to that, like, let's just all be nice. Let's just all smile. Let's just all say thank you. Like the little things actually matter and it adds up very quickly. So. Yeah, I love that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to, I mean, I'm not a runner, but now you kind of get me into, like excited and wanting to just go visit the community. Um, so let's kind of tie it back a little bit back to, um, you know, you're talking about going through this, this situation where now you're in like, you know, everything's pitch black and you, you don't have your lamp and stuff. Right. So obviously this is, this is pushing beyond, beyond like your physical limits and your mental limits. So can you describe a race or experience that truly tested, you know, your endurance and just kind of like your mental strength and how you manage to push through that challenging moment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would even start by saying I think I have one race in like my hundred mile out of thirty three. One out of thirty three that I would say that went very well. And like I actually shit myself. So I'm saying it went well, but I, I literally shit myself and that's a good race. There it's impossible to run that kind of distance, even fifty K or anything like that. You will you will hit the wall at some point and I think that's part of the the adventure. And running is just one way to do that, but there's so many other ways to to do that like you know if you're not into running that's totally fine there's other things but you, you will hit the wall and then you you really have to ask yourself like am i am i doing this like am i committed to doing this or you know that's it i'm going home yeah i had my fun it was fun running with people and right now i'm in pain i'm struggling and there's really no point in continuing and i think that's a personal decision uh, i tend to be very stubborn and i say no you know like i'm doing that but yeah, a specific example, I think one of my most challenging and easy to explain experience was actually mountain biking. Uh, that's mm. also on, on my channel. And I'm not a mountain biker. And I'm someone who's kind of scared about injuries to some extent. So mountain biking is a great way to get injured. And uh, it was my main mountain biking race of the year. I was super nervous about it. It's uh, 12 hours. And two hours in, I crashed pretty hard. Um, and I, I thought while I was flying in the air, I was already thinking, you know, this is this is it. Like I'm I'm not finishing this and I'm like not gonna be able to run for a while. Um then I landed, then I broke a rib and like I was kind of banged up a little bit. And and there was definitely a moment in my head where I was like, all right, like I guess I guess I'm done for the day. But I I go back to thinking about why am I here anyway? And did I really start the race thinking it would be easy? No. And now I'm facing something that is difficult and it's not an excuse to stop, but it's more, well, I guess this is what we came for. I guess I came here to test my limit. And I guess right now, this is the limit of physically. I have a broken rib. I didn't know it was broken, but I knew something was not normal. Right. Yeah. Um, and I have 10 hours ahead of me of, I need to use my lung a lot. I need to breathe a lot. And a broken rib for anyone who's had that, like that's, they know that's extremely painful uh, as an injury. And you know, you're going to be in pain for 10 hours and you could just quit. Like nobody would think any less of me for quitting after crashing my bike. Like that would be a very 
normal thing to do. But I said I would do it. I said I would push myself, and then I just did it. Um, yeah, I I don't think there's necessarily magic trick. I think there's a lot of mind trick that you need to develop, and that you will develop running long distance. Um, it's it's physical at first, and eventually it's not. Eventually, your body is destroyed, and the the more fit you are, the later that will happen. But that will not happen if you run 100 miles. That will not happen at mile 99. Like that will happen at mile 20, 40, regardless of if you're very fit. Um, right. Professional is another story. Like They're not human. But, but normal people, they will struggle very early. And then that's where it becomes mental. Of, well, I can still make one step. So I'll, at least let's do that one step. And well, I'm between two aid station in the middle of the forest. I should at least reach the aid station. Like I shouldn't decide I'm quitting now. Let's mm-hmm. wait and go there. And oh, can I make one more step? And and there's little tricks like that. I think finding purpose helps. And I think that's true for any aspect of anyone's life. Like I, I work pretty hard at work. And part of that is we're making medicine for like, rare disease patient, children, um, I think that there's a strong purpose there. So if I work late at night, I mean, I could say, oh, well, fuck it. You know, I work nine to five, but I think there's a purpose to that. Just like running, I think there's a purpose on working on yourself and being all you can be. That will help me push a little bit further. I think things like humor are helpful. I think camaraderie is helpful. Just talking with someone, and that's part of it. If we're in the middle of the night and we're talking to each other, we're going to go further than if we're isolated right so yeah little little things like that yeah so actually on that right like you sound like i mean like this mindset like is is kind of solid in you now right like this this stubbornness that you call it so did you always have that or was that something that kind of came about after you know uh, an event or something like how, how did that come to you I think my wife would say that I've always been very st- stubborn. Um, <laughs> I would agree with her. Um, no, it's 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 interesting. I think there's it's easy to to isolate things in your life and think like this is my running, this is my work, this is you know school or or, or whatever my personal life. And you by by running so much, you will develop things that could help in other aspects of your life, and vice versa. I think some other aspect of my life has helped tremendously um just kind of getting seamlessly into running and one of them is yes i've always been stubborn is the funny way to say it but i think the the nicer way to say it is uh if we were in a work interview i would say i'm goal oriented and i i'm a problem solver right Um, and and like the the way to phrase it is well i said i would run a hundred mile and sure i i don't have a headlamp right now in the dark or i'm you know i'm like I'm leaving a, a trace behind me, uh, number two. Okay, okay. Like let's 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 find a solution. Uh, because what is not an option is to not do what I said I would do. I'll I'll find a way to get there, and that has been true for my PhD. That has been true at work. That has been true in my personal life. Um, difficulty is not an excuse to not do what I said I would do. It's just something that you need to overcome. And if you have that mindset in your personal life, that will help in running or any endeavor, you know, the gym or um, anything like that. The problem solving instead of quitting mindset is very helpful. And I say that, but at the same time, just to be clear, I 
totally understand and have quit myself on certain occasion, understanding what's a futile effort, what is impossible and what is possible, what can be solved. I think understanding that is also a part that is pretty important. Um, mm -hmm. The the cost sometimes of, of continuing. I think for running, the obvious one is not pushing past injuries. Um, for me, that would totally def defeat the purpose. Uh, running is decently, you know, injury prone sport and pushing through an injury is just not the smart thing to do. So you need to understand when to, when to pull the plug. Uh, mm -hmm. so, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you sound like you're kind of, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier that you're bionic, right? Like you're, you're kind of going a hundred all the time. So balancing the demands of ultra marathon training with everyday life, like, I mean, that sounds like it might be an issue, right? So how do you strike a balance between your passion for ultra running and your personal and professional commitments? Yeah, I mean that. I think that's 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 a great question. I think one of the reasons I can ultra run is because I've always been pretty busy. People that have been busy for a very long time tend to be good at time management. The thing is that everyone thinks they're busy all the time, which is always funny. And I'm sure we all have that experience of you see someone being, oh, I'm busy, like I can't do this, I can't, or like yeah. I, yeah, like I I can't meet up for whatever, like you know. I, I have too many things and you look at what they actually do and you realize that they don't do that much because there's a lot of time wasted. Uh, so number one is to be a little bit more organized and conscious of the value of time. I think time is probably one of the most valuable thing that we all own and not necessarily realize, you know, there's the obvious health is pretty important, but right. time too. And, and anytime you spend, you know, an hour doing something, that's an hour you could be doing something else. And, there, there's definitely some time burner that are easy to just cut. And one that people say often, and I'm like, this is the stupidest thing you've ever said is like, oh, you can sleep like three or four hour a night. I was like, dude, you're fucking stupid. Like, I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> gonna sleep. Like, I need my sleep. Uh, right. But there, there's other things I was like, well, what, why, why are you scrolling so long? Like on Instagram, I mean, it's normal to do it. I mean, obviously the, there are smart people doing something addictive, so it, it is addictive, like not judging, but like clearly it, maybe you could be running instead of scrolling for 30 minutes. And maybe right. uh, at the end of the day, you would feel better about yourself uh, if you did, yeah, you had done that. Uh, but yeah, so it's time management, understanding the value of time, therefore not wasting it. And then the other one is definitely, definitely understanding priorities. Um, because running is important for me, but quite frankly, it's it's not that high it's probably the, the highest is probably uh family i would say uh, i don't have kids which is like the the secret weapon i have right now to be able to run so much by the way like i say a lot of <laughs> things but like i don't have kids if i had it would be very different so like i understand everyone with kids i know that you're you see what i do and say how can you travel so much i'm like i don't have kids that's <laughs> that's the one solution but yeah so family so you know my wife and everything in my relationship to to the people very close to me then friendship similarly then probably it's work then it's running and then then it would be my youtube channel and i i think someone that knows me very well would actually be able to notice when i'm getting really busy because say like i don't upload on youtube for example um, and then all of a sudden you can go on my Strava where all the, the runs are logged and all of a sudden, like I'm cutting on my runs a little bit. Uh -huh. There's two reasons why I would cut on my run. One would be if I'm injured, but the other one is just because I'm way too busy with work. Um, but, um, 
the the funny thing is I didn't go there at the beginning, but one of the reasons I start ultra running beyond just like it kind of was a natural evolution from hiking was that I was extremely busy at work before, extremely, extremely busy. The the type of like you're you're working until one to three in the morning and then you're up at eight and traveling for work. That was not oh, wow. pleasant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was it that that was something that was temporary. I knew it. Uh, everyone knew it, but it was not great. And that was for, for two years. And it really felt like, okay, like there's really not much to life right now other than work. And I need something else. And for sure, at least for me, um, working out is kind of a guilt-free pleasure. Um, if I spend one hour watching TV and I'm super busy, and I go to bed like one hour later, I'll feel super bad about it. Uh -huh. Like that was kind of silly, but doing that is, I can't feel bad about working on myself. Now, sure, if I would go on a four hour run, I would say maybe that was not needed, but reserving a little bit of time for my well being mentally and physically uh, was kind of needed. And I think it's similar people procrastinating. I remember I was not like that, but some of my friends when I was in college, their guilt-free thing during exam period is cleaning the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I Because can you can't feel bad about vacuuming. You did something good. You did a chore. But at the same time, that's a way to just disconnect. Well, for me, that it's running. I can't feel bad about going on a run. Like, I'm working on myself. Are you kidding? But obviously, I did that so that I could disconnect. And that, that, was, that was very helpful um, in, in finding ways to prioritize and not be lazy about it, for sure. Okay. Um, but you talk about you know, maintaining your health, especially when you're doing all of this, right? So, you know, running these races, it's puts immense strain on your body. You know, how do you approach not only just recovery, but also like nutrition to ensure that you stay physically and mentally resilient throughout, you know, your training and your races? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's very true. And I'm, for, for those that have never seen my YouTube channel, I've, I try to be as transparent as possible. Uh, I see a lot of people that have big ego and will say things like injuries don't exist. And like, I absolutely have dealt with minor injuries and it's about first being smart and recognizing when something is wrong. So it's best to say, well, okay, something is, so, something's happening to my ankle or something's happening to my knee. I'm going to first, instead of making it worse and ignoring it, I'm going to dial it down. And that's really the, the step one is to understand you're in recovery phase right now. Um, but even 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 doing that like i i do have to to be careful and mindful and that will mean doing some pt by myself uh, strengthening exercise again it's more mm -hmm. prevention than treating then right. after a race uh, i do take the time to usually it's about the week where i won't really be running much i think active recovery is great so not running just for me just means like maybe i will jog maybe i will go for a one or two mile very slow jog or walk just to get my muscle activated a little bit and have some some blood flow and just the ligaments and everything just stretching a little bit i think is helpful but not putting actual real strain on them and i think active recovery is super important then in terms of nutrition i'm not the best at it um i think that's something that in theory i could work on but it has worked pretty well and i think Part of it is trying to not be too restrictive about it, uh, mm -hmm. not necessarily eating junk food, but not necessarily being too careful. And I have good faith in biology and that natural evolution have taught our 
kind of body to crave food that we need to some extent. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's kind of miswired sometimes and we'll, we'll crave like high energy food just because, you know, back in the days we didn't have a high energy food. But for running, that's, that's not so much an issue that you would have too many calories. Right. But say I, I feel like I really want something fatty or salty or sugary. Like I feel that my body is telling me, hey, Simon, we need that right now. Have it. And then I, I won't be counting calories or anything like that. Um, and then it's little things. I, I, I don't buy into things like ice bath, but I do ice. Um, like if I have tendinitis, I will do that. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So can you actually walk us through a little bit about like your training regimen and like, you know, how, how do you prepare for one of these races? Sure. Absolutely. And I think there's the theoretical and then there's the practical. They're not. (laughs) Um, And, and also one huge complication. So I'll talk more in the past than in the present. Because I'm racing every month or sometimes even every three weeks, at, at some point, there's just no time to train specifically for a race anymore. If, right. if I, I race, then I have one week I'm just healing, then maybe one week of training, then one week of taper. That's not actual training. That's more maintaining. So let's not talk about like that, but more mm-hmm. when I was training for my first uh, 100 mile. I think it really helps a lot to to have an actual training schedule and to write it down. Um, I strongly believe that like this is more of a template. This is more of a guidance and just to your real life circumstances. Like unless you have the best schedule in the universe and your life is extremely predictable and therefore extremely boring, uh, it's hard to stick to it. But at least you have some guidance. Like I said, I would run 20 miles Saturday. I can't because... I don't know. I need my car to be fixed or something. I was the whole thing. Right. Well, I knew that I had 20 miles. So maybe I moved that to Sunday and then you adjust. But writing down that schedule is pretty important. And then um, the, the way it looks, and I have done a, a video on my YouTube channel for anyone who's getting into running long distance. If they want like the super specific on how to run your first 50K, I walk you through how to, to, to go through that. But for me, when I was at my peak for that, it, it was a range of about 70 miles a week. Um, running probably six days a week. So I tried to have a day of rest. And typically that meant a lot of mileage in the weekend. So about maybe 20 miles um, Saturday, 20 miles Sunday, mostly for practical reason, but also just physically, it's good to have these back-to-back long runs. But I work Monday through Friday. And because I don't have kids, the weekends are definitely more free. So that's a good time to go for like a three-hour run. Um, In terms of hours, I, I probably in training run at an average of seven mile an hour. So that's about 10 hours of pure running. But right. you need to add to this things like uh, strengthening sessions. So I try to do that to prevent injury. It's about two sessions of 30 minutes a week. And then sometimes it's cross training, uh, some cycling or some swimming, um, just, just to get going and adjusting based on how I feel. Like if I feel pretty banged up from my running, I might switch a three-hour long run to a three-hour session on on, on the, uh, the indoor cycling, uh, the indoor bicycle. So yeah, so I think all in all, it's probably like twelve hours a week at peak, twelve thirteen hours a week, which is a lot. Like that's average two hours a day, and finding that time is difficult. But right. there's definitely some tricks like. I'll bike to work and or back in the days, I, it was easier for me to to run to work also. And 
you know, if it's four miles in the morning, four miles in the evening, that's eight miles. We had a shower at work. Then you're good. You're good for the day. Um, if you go into the more specific and you're really able to have a good plan, it's good to have like some slow miles and some fast miles. So having like some interval or these sorts of things really help in terms of performance. Um, I tend to not do it so much lately, uh, mostly because of injury prevention, but for performance and increasing like cardiovascular super health. Okay. I want to cut back to, you know, you're talking about how you're really into nature and how that's really what kind of got you into this, right? So how has the experience of running in diverse like natural environments influenced your connection with nature, right? And do you have a particular race or trail that holds, you know, a special place in your heart? Yeah, that's yeah, that, that's, a, that's a beautiful question. I think, I don't know if it changed my connection to nature because I was already pretty connected, but it definitely changed my connection to the U.S. So, you know, mm. I'm, I'm from Canada, I'm from Montreal, and I live in Switzerland and Sweden uh, before coming to the U.S. And then I was mostly living in Cambridge and knowing the Northeast. But ultra running has brought me to a very different climate in the U.S. And that really has helped me see the the wide breadth of landscape that there is um I, like i kind of knew it you know it from movies like you, you see place like in the desert in like western movies and like you right. see the montanas and these things but actually being there is is very special uh, and that also helps connect with different community in different places that behave a little differently so just the, the traveling part of it is is very interesting um my favorite race tend to be mountain race in colorado or utah uh, i like the high mountains in general so one one that the views were absolutely gorgeous and the course was absolutely crazy is called Ure 100, which is in the southwest in um, in Colorado. It's some of the tallest mountain in the U.S. and some uh, most beautiful uh, scenery. Uh, but there's also a race uh, close to Zion that I very much enjoy. And that, that's the thing, like the, the landscape is totally different. One is more kind of desertic and red rocks and cacti. And the other one is above tree line, snowy mountain top. Um, steep steep cliff and yeah mm -hmm. it's um the the breadth of it is what interests me a lot and that's very often how i choose a race is based on that i feel like oh i'm i'm due for a desert race okay let's book a desert race. oh i'm due for the mountain let's book a mountain mm -hmm. race. nice it sounds like also like a great way to to just kind of get the chance to experience to travel um but a question i had was so you're kind of facing all these different terrains right so then how do you prepare for that when it comes yeah, I, that's that. Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't put that in my kind of preparation, but that that's a big part of it uh, for sure. It's it's good to run on what you're gonna run, but it's also impossible if you if you for those who have lived in Boston or Cambridge, if you need to run a mountain race, that's not <laughs> yeah to train for that. Um, what I was doing was I was straight up going to. Um, and it's funny sometimes I do look at my old training schedule. Um, I was going at the stadium and I was just working up and down the, the bench of the football stadium. Oh, wow. That was the biggest hill you could find in Cambridge, really. Um, and that, that was cool. That was a good workout. I was good to hill repeat. But uh, there's definitely climate is one thing and then uh, technicality of trail is another. So running on road, a road is a road I could close my eyes and probably run on the road until, like, until I kind of hit a car. But the you don't need to watch your footing so much. Whereas on trail, sometimes it's like that, but sometimes you really have to be good about knowing where to land. And that's something that is hard to teach. 
but easy to practice. And the more you do it, the more you're comfortable and the less likely you fall. So practicing that and being comfortable on trail is, is a big part of it. Now, because I come from a more trail running and hiking background, that's something that I already had. But for people that are not used to that, that's a little bit trickier. And then the climate. Right. Yeah. So I raced uh, uh, Bad Water 135, which is um, a famous race in uh, Dead Valley. Uh, Dead Valley is still named because it, like there's nothing living there. And that's because it's pretty, it's pretty hot. Um, when we were there, it was 127 at some point. So like oh, wow. above 50 Celsius for, for families all there. Uh, I've adapted to the Fahrenheit, so I'm good. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's really hot. And 120 is really hot, but 127, like you, you feel the difference. And how do you prepare for that? I mean, it's not a sustainable, livable temperature, and even less so if you're running. But you're not you running in an oven. It, so, yeah, I mean, it's that's how it felt when you when you open, you know, an oven, and like the air comes in your face. That's how oh, it man. felt when the wind was was picking up. You you're so used to the wind being associated to cold because it's bringing fresh air. But in this case, it's bringing hair that is even hotter than you. So it really felt like, oof, like you feel it. And then especially you have the, the paved, it's a paved road. So if the wind is in the wrong direction, it picks up the, the, the air that was getting warmer because of the dark paved road and it right. goes on you and you really feel it. Um, you go, you go to the sauna, you do some training session. Um, that's the best way to train for heat and you, it doesn't take so long. Like in one week of sauna session, I visibly saw the difference in terms of sweating. I I sweat so much now. It's like disgusting, but that's what you need to do in these climates, especially in a place like that valley. It's so dry that you don't even notice that you're sweating, but you are sweating an insane amount. Um, and then the flip side of that would be mountain race. Um Sometimes it's below freezing, sometimes it's hailing, sometimes it's very windy on these mountaintops. And you have to know, that comes also more from experience from hiking, like what's the minimal amount of gear that you can have and yeah. be able to do it. Because you can't carry everything, but if you needed a windbreaker and you don't have it and you're climbing a mountain, yeah, it can be actually kind of dangerous and like some people will actually drop race from that. Um, especially the one that I really loved is pretty famous for having really bad weather. Uh, I was lucky, but uh, usually it's it's really, really sketchy weather also. When you're at like 13,000 feet, huge, uh, huge storm, you don't see anything. It's hard to navigate. Rocks are slippery. You're getting right. cold. Because it's in the mountain, it's it's easier to warm up when you're like on a road and you can just run and activate your body. But when you're in, on a cliff and it's getting rained and it's slippery, you can't run anymore. You can barely move. That that can get very sketchy very quickly. So experience is what really helps here. Uh, knowing what to do, knowing little things like before the night, I will change my shirt to a dry one. Because mm -hmm. otherwise I'm going to be cold all night, even if I put layers. And knowing these little things and preparing for them, like the race logistic is part of experience that is difficult to master. But that one at least is easy to explain. And I try always to be vocal in my own like kind of recap, like saying like what I'm doing so that people can think, oh, like, you know, he he brought an extra layers because he's worried about the cold. Maybe I should do the same thing. So experience right. helps for that.
yeah, man, honestly, that's, that's very, um, I mean, my, from my opinion, it's very inspiring. Cause I mean, I can't imagine, you know, ha- having to go through something like that. I, I'm, mm. I'm a mountain man. Like that's definitely part of why it came so seamlessly for me is ever since I've been a kid, like that's, that's what we would do. My grandfather used to be, I don't know the name in English, but essentially like he would go way up north where there were no trail or nothing and he was the guy kind of marking terrain and like uh like, so, like paving the, the trail things like that yeah oh, so wow. like not necessarily an explorer like things were already like known but kind of putting markers so he would go out there and that means that when we would spend time together in summer that's like kind of what we did the the typical winter holiday break what we would do as a like the bigger extended families we would have a cabin like way up north in Quebec in, in the big snow. And hey, the kids would just like, we take some snowshoes and we're just going to go wherever. There's no Adventure. trail, there's nothing. But like, mm-hmm. we're going to go one mile in that direction and then we're going to come back and try not to die. And nobody died, so that's good. But you, you become very resourceful and you know, you, you get, a, I think, a level of respect for the wilderness um nobody nobody's gonna fucking save you sometimes and little things can have like huge consequence and it's it's you you look like at national park people get in trouble all the time in like silly place i was like but what what were you thinking but that's the thing they were not thinking and didn't have the proper respect kind of used to civilization a little bit more Whereas obviously, right. you know, I'm civilized, I'm used to civilization, but I'm also, I know like the switch of like, well, I'm, I'm not in civilization anymore. Like little things just like, I don't have anything to carry water with me. Could be a big deal. Um, right. So it, it, yeah, it, it comes from experience uh, for sure. So on that, um, you know, I'm kind of curious before you got into all of this, would you say you have any um, inspiring figure? that kind of made you want to jump into not, not only just um, uh, not only just ultramarathon running, but at this point, you know, like you sounded like this big wilderness man, right? Like it sounds like your, your, your grandfather, right. Was, was kind of a big inspiration, but maybe anybody else that's out there. Yeah. I mean, and it's a good point. Like my, my two grandfathers were definitely figures that I respected highly um, in their own right. And they both had like pretty gnarly experience in, in the wilderness. So, so him, was doing that. The other one, I think it was more working like on, on construction side, but more like remote construction side. And like he was mm-hmm. in a helicopter crash and like had to survive for a while. And like, yeah, like the kind of thing I was like, wait, is, why is there no movie? Um, I guess it's more common than I realized, uh, especially back in the days. Uh, and especially the, the, the reason they crashed, my understanding is just some mistake they did in the navigation and they just went in the yeah. wrong direction. Uh-huh. And then they just flew until, well, we don't have gas anymore. So it was not like catastrophic crash. It was more like, well, I guess we're crashing now. And like, that's, that's what it was. Um, so, so they're a pretty big one. Um, I found a lot of inspiration on YouTube as I was getting into ultra running, which is definitely partly why I'm making movies myself, uh, trying to, to, to show what the sport can be. I think some, 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 uh, YouTuber like resonate more with me than others and some movies resonate way more with me than others and like trying myself to put kind of my drop there um, I think one that I really like was, is a movie called uh, How How to Run a 100 Mile I think uh, was 
the name, but it's it's a pretty generic name, but it's a very big one, like it, millions of views. It's Brendan Leonard. Um, it's two friends racing together. Uh, one of the races that I actually did in Colorado, Run Rabbit Run. Uh, and just the dynamic between the two, I felt was very interesting. And it went a lot into all the preparation that goes mm-hmm. before the race. Uh, because it's 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 hard to run a hundred mile or any ultra marathon. Yeah. But what <laughs> is really, really hard is to be prepared to run a hundred mile. The, the actual doing it, it's more of an acute kind of pain. It, it's more, you know, a band-aid. You want to remove it right away. It felt a little bit more like that. Mm. Uh, like, yeah, it's going to hurt a little bit, but like you can get it out of the way. But the the months and months of dedication to it, to the process, the, the setbacks that you're facing, that's very difficult. We talk a lot about mental toughness during the race to not give up. But yeah, 30 hours is a long time to be suffering. Okay. But six months to a year of maybe especially if you have a family and you have to go wake up at four in the morning to go running that is a different kind of mental toughness and resilience that i i think is is very impressive and seeing for me seeing those average guy doing it was something that resonated with me much more than seeing professionals Mm. Uh, maybe because i put them on a pedestal but professional what they do is unbelievable and the more you know about the sport, the more when you see what professionals do, you're like, what? what? Like, yeah, yeah, that that is like, for for someone who's never run 100 miles, me saying I ran 100 miles is impressive. I under, I understand that. Like, I'm not stupid. And sometimes, I, like, the, the typical question is, how long does it take you? Well, my fastest was 16 hours. And then based on the reaction, you know if someone has any clue or not, which is totally fine, but... Some some people will say 16 hour. Wow, you ran for that long. I was like, you're not an ultra runner. If someone hears that and is an ultra runner, more likely they will say, oh, that's fast. Yeah. Like, that's a good pace. It's like, yes, that's a very good pace. I've never come close to repeating that. I don't know what happened. Um, but pros, they do it like the, the best of the best, like for a, a flat one is like 11 or 12 hours. No I, way. Yeah, yeah. I cannot, I cannot do a 10K at that pace. It's like, it's ridiculous. I'm more likely to be twice as slow as them. And I'm not the bad runner. Uh, but, and when you see them on some of the race, on some of the course, uh, one of the race I did uh, recently with my wife, she did a hundred K. So I'm very happy for her. Um, it's a, it's a loop 20 mile and some really good runner are there. And they, they do a loop way faster than you. And you see them pass. And it's hard to believe that, wait, They've done 20 more miles than me already. Like I'm at mile 30 and they've done 50. Yeah. So I don't understand how it's possible. And because of that, then it, it's kind of removed from me. But seeing the, the average guy with the normal life doing these things makes it more approachable. It doesn't make it any less impressive. I think we all face different challenges, just like damage. That's a huge one. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of more the vibe that has inspired me. And and I think it's reflected in my channel, trying to like convey that. Yeah, I mean, first off, like you know, I, I totally see where you're coming from. Like you know, I think it's so important for us to to hear the stories, right? Like somebody needs to go first in order for somebody else to go next, and to really understand, hey, you know, like I can also do, I can do this just because we are are in similar circumstances. So let's kind of come back. I I wanted to touch up to like on your your work 
right? And like on what you do for for a career, because you sound like you were very passionate about that as well, especially too when you put it like up there above ultra marathon running in your priority list, right? So can you talk to me a little bit about that and like how you got into that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if I sign a sponsorship for my channel and like I grow, I don't know, maybe I'm gonna change. Uh, that's that's definitely not gonna happen. Uh, but and especially like, the purpose of my work, I think is is pretty interesting. But I think I. Part of the reason it, that it's above is the at the end of the day we do make, need money to live. Um, right, right. That's <laughs> like I can't just go running. Um, that's that's a hobby. That's something I enjoy doing. Um, and actually, I don't think I would want to have that my full time job. I think that would be terrible. I think that would take the joy out of just I race whatever the fuck I want, and if I don't right. want to do it, I'm not doing it. And there's zero pressure if I. If I run, you know, a race next month and I don't feel like making a movie about it, whatever, you know, like my boss is still going to pay me and that's, that's good enough. Um, yeah. So what I do is, um, I, I did a lot of things, um, although always in the same field. So I, I used to be a pharmacist working with patient at like the equivalent of a CBS. Um, so like working with patient, helping people with their health. Uh, but I was always more of a, like, I think that shocks people, uh, that know me more for my running and silliness, but I'm way more of an intellectual than a sporty guy for sure. Like I'm not mm -hmm. a physical guy at all. Um, and I, I felt that the, the job of a pharmacist was interesting because you get to interact with people and help people. Like you, you, you help that one person in front of you a hell of a lot, but on the broader scope of society, it felt like you're a drop in the ocean and like, it, it's a, like every drop matters. So absolutely not reducing that, but right. I felt like, Hey, I want to do something that is a little bit broader. It's, Instead of doing something big for one person, I want to do something small for a lot of people. And that led me more towards science. Uh, so uh, I was doing research in immunology, uh, working mostly on arthritis and inflammatory bowel disease. So mm. I, was, mm. I was straight up in the lab. I was straight up um, like re reading a lot of paper, thinking a lot about understanding these things and how could we improve people's health. Um, and I love that. But that felt like a huge puzzle that, we're trying to resolve um and i absolutely love my time as a scientist both as a phd but also working uh, working uh, in the company and I, I transitioned a little bit out of that uh, i did some consulting for a little bit uh, management consulting just to get the business side and now i'm i'm more um i'm more in between i still work in the life science field uh we still do medicine uh particularly for a lot of pediatric disease, uh, neurology. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we do other disease, but that, that's one of the big ones for sure. And uh, my role is I'm kind of the bridge between my company, which is a mid-sized company, uh, to a larger company. Uh, that mm -hmm. we, we have all different things that we're good at in terms of the, the, the landscape of how these things work. And my company, I think, is, is extremely good at, early science and early clinical work. And we're, we're able and good at doing other things, but I think our, our specialty and what we're known for are these earlier thing. And a larger company could have more um, capabilities when it comes to manufacturing a product, commercializing it, uh, talking with physician, having a sales force and these sorts of right, things, right. Uh, which is not our specialty. So basically what I do is I go around and, and say, hey, like our scientists, because I'm not a scientist anymore. I'm a scientist in my heart but I'm not an actual researcher is, Hey, our scientists did something really cool. Should we work together on this? And that sounds like a salesman's job. It is to a little bit, but 
what I love about it is much more that what you're trying to do is create um, a collaboration. Uh, right, yeah. Like a, a win-win scenario where you're good at something, we're good at something, let's work together and let, let's bring that medicine to patient. And that's kind of the, the focus is a good idea is great, but you need also to execute. And there's, there's a huge gap. And I, I think every step along the way is important. Um, and I'm finding ways, finding solution. That comes back to me being a problem solver. Finding solution to get this good idea that our scientists have and get that to patients to help them. And yeah, I miss, I miss my research day a little bit, but I think the, the purpose is very good. Um, mm-hmm. The purpose is definitely very positive. I'm very passionate about that. And obviously, like, that's the kind of work that can be very busy at times. Um, right. But patient, you know, patients are waiting for that sometimes. Uh, some of the, especially the ultra rarities that we have, there's literally no treatment or no good treatment. So if, if it takes six more months, um, yeah, there's direct consequence to that. The consequence that you don't see as directly as when I was a pharmacist, like you have the person in front of you. But conceptually, you know, that those six months matter every day. Matters. Right. To someone. Yeah. 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 So on that, I'm kind of curious to see in, throughout your history, like, you know, what are some big impacts that you've noticed you've been able to contribute to in, you know, like in, in, uh, like in, in, in the improvement of medicine? Oh, I, 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 I think my role has been very small, but because it impacts a lot of people and that's it, that's a difference. It's hard to explain it. It's, like I haven't done any major discovery, but yeah, I have my paper out there with my name and like, this is like, I discovered something new. Uh, is it something that will change the world? No. Is it something that a lot of people care about? Also, no. Uh, is it something that like could indirectly lead other scientists to new discovery, which eventually could lead to something big? Yeah. Yeah. That could be, uh, I don't think so, but that could be. And, and that, that's the difficulty of, pure science and research is that it's almost impossible that you have a direct impact on patient. Like saying like, right. Hey, I have this cool idea. And then eventually you see that as a medicine. Like if that happened, usually you win a novel price. Like you're an exceptionally, like that's unreal as unrealistic as like me running a hundred mile in 11 hour. Like I know that's not going to happen. Some people do it and that's fantastic, but the bulk of people don't. Right. But what, what we're doing is we're all putting a brick into the wall and we're like, we're kind of building something bigger. And is my brick a special brick? Honestly, it's not a special brick, but my brick is there. And like that, that's a contribution. You you don't know collectively. We don't know which project will actually be meaningful because I think I was a decent scientist. I don't think I was the best of the best. I think I was a decent scientist. So, yeah, so that would be my contribution. It, it was a, I mean, we could go into super nerdy detail, but I don't think anyone wants to hear that. I mean, and it's, it's been a long time, but like, I'm a T-cell guy. Like, if you have any knowledges by any chance, like, hi, hey, T-cell's best, B-cell, man, I don't know. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> that's all right, well, I, <laughs> I appreciate all of that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, ultra marathons kind of coming back to that now, right? Uh, it offers a unique insight on like personal growth and resilience. You know, do you have any key life lessons or philosophies you've taken away from ultra running experiences? Um, you know, how they've impacted your lives? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I like, and I'm definitely not the one that created that, but you can, you can do more than you think you can. Um, 
that 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 is something that I think is very important. It doesn't mean everything is possible. Like I I do think there's a roof to the limit of what is feasible, but most of the time we we sell ourselves short. Right? We mm. think we would not be able to do something. We have some self doubt, and the risk of that is that you don't try, you don't put in the work to see. Well, can I do it? Um, so. Understanding that you, you can do more, I think it's pretty important to actually achieve your full potential because then you'll put in the work and you'll you'll, you'll have a drive. Mm. Nice. Okay. And this will be like the last official question, but you know, you've achieved remarkable feats, you know, in ultra marathon running. So what advice could you give to those who are just starting their journey and aspire to like push their own limits, you know, whether it's in running or other aspects of their life? You know, like what would you tell somebody if you were in that uh how to run a hundred mile movie right <laughs> yeah it's i think take it one step at a time and enjoy the process and trust the process uh it's it's something that takes time it's something that is complicated and if you take your time and you enjoy it you will actually get there and you you need to trust that you will get there but you won't always see progress directly but you you can look back one year later and see where am I today and you'll see mm -hmm. the progress and that would be very motivating but if you're looking for shortcuts if something that just pisses me off there's not many things that pisses me off but it's those clickbaity things like do this do this trick five minute tips and then you're going to be a faster runner and it's like hey if you're looking for a shortcut I don't think you have the right mindset for ultra running or trail running secret is that there is no secret the secret is that if you're looking for an easy solution, yeah, that's not real. It's not solution. for you. That's that's what we call a scam. Like that's a get rich kind of scam, but in running, it's a get fast, quick kind of scam. Like that's not a thing. Mm, okay, well, I appreciate that. Thanks. Uh, so, I kind of told you before. Um, on, at the end of every episode, I like to ask just a random question, um, just for anybody. And so today's question for you is, how would you describe yourself in three words? Uh, oh my God, um, I already said three. If I had made a bad joke, I would have said made in America. Uh, but <laughs> I think that's very political. And some people would say that's actually two words. And that, that gets extremely political there. Uh, no, um, three words. Shit, sorry. I think I'm passionate, hardworking, but lazy. Mm. Yeah, Which is I love four that. Words, but, yeah. No, that's that's fine. That's, that's more than enough. But honestly, Simon, thank you so much for today and uh, the interview. Um, yeah, you know, looking forward to to hearing more. And then, actually, last thing, you know, where can people find you? Yeah, uh, you can find uh, my adventure and some running tips on uh, Running with Simon on YouTube and on Instagram. I'm mostly a YouTube guy because I think there's a lot of information to be shared that just doesn't convey well in the short kind of picture type of right. Instagram. But yeah. YouTube, Running with Simon. Mm, awesome, Simon. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to The Bottom Left Pain. If you enjoyed our journey into the unseen stories today, don't forget to follow us on social media at Bottom Left Pain on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. You can subscribe to our show on any platform where you get your podcasts to ensure you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in supporting the production of our show, consider checking out our Patreon. Even a contribution as little as a dollar a month can make a huge difference. Thank you for your support and for joining us in uncovering the hidden chapters of life. And remember, sometimes the most profound stories are the ones we've never heard before.